Hello and happy June. I wanted to take a moment to say a quick hello, reintroduce myself, and provide an update. I'm Dr. Monique Johnson, and I'm the host here of the Careers Evolve podcast. Just wanted to share a bit of my background very quickly. I'm a certified career and leadership coach, equity and inclusion consultant, real estate investor of 19 years with my husband, and the Certified Master of Career Services Commissioner for the National Career Development Association Credentialing Commission. I offer coaching and consulting services to groups and individuals in the area of career development, diversity and inclusion, and leadership. And complimentary coaching calls are always available through my website, www.drmoniquecjohnson.com. I also wanted to share that I recently became an author as of March 2022 of a book called Microshift, Small Mindset Changes for Big Results. And I have five amazing co-authors who are all accomplished and unique in their own right. Each of them are coaches who focus on different populations and solve different problems in the world. And we are part of the Reset Collective, which focuses on mindset and being your best self. It's founded by Kendra Ramirez. And uh, the book is available on Amazon, as well as my website if you want a signed copy. So listen in to this episode as I talk with one of my co-authors who I'm so excited for you to hear. She's doing some amazing work in the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Careers Evolve podcast. It's been a minute, but we are back with an exciting guest that I'll introduce to you in just a moment. I hope that everyone is doing well and that you all are healthy and happy and doing all the things that you aspire to do. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right in and introduce our guest. Her name is Danietta Najoli. And she grew up in Harlem, New York City. I'm sure she'll share more about that. She operates a growth mindset and personal foundations coaching practice and is a social innovator and a two-time Amazon bestselling author. Her core mission is to support people who provide close support, care, and assistance to others as their main role or job function. Danietta enjoys facilitating key learning experiences for people and groups based on the research and her lived experiences around belief coaching, mindfulness, happiness, and positive psychology. Danietta is a senior community builder at Starfire Council. Through her work, she's been able to significantly change the culture through person-centered approaches to supporting others so that more people feel like they belong to their communities. And we know how important that is. Belonging is key for all of us. While on her learning journey, she developed the 10 commitments of person-centered cultural humility. And then during the fall of 2019, she co-wrote the Black American Tree Project as part of her professional development, which takes into account what happened to Black Americans from pre-colonial Africa to present-day America through an embodied and participatory format followed by courageous community conversations. Oh, how we love a courageous conversation, right? And in closing, Danietta is, again, a two-time best-selling author, and she's also co-authored several digital books and paperback books, including Unstoppable Confidence, Sustaining a Posture for Success, which serves as a guidebook for people seeking to develop more confidence in their lives. She's a contributing author of two inspirational books, including Pain to Profit, and she's also the author of Micro Shift, 
Small Mindset Changes for Big Results, where she details her release, allow, attract, and act coaching program while sharing her personal story of resilience. So welcome, Danietta. Thank you so much, Monique, for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, I do often say how we know one another. I I talk about how I know my guests. And so, Danietta, I had the privilege of sitting in on a presentation, I believe, that you did through the Reset Coaching Mindset Program that was founded by Kendra Ramirez. And then we actually just co-authored a book together, right? The Mindset, Micro Shift, Small Mindset Changes for Big Results book. So, It has been quite a a journey, and I'm so glad that I can now call you my friend. Oh, I'm so excited that you were actually at the first Reset Conference back in, it was in 2020 when we were doing this virtually. I think that was the first time the Reset Conference went virtual, and um, I was in a studio at the time, and and Kendra Ramirez is an amazing person. She, She just has a heart of gold around seeking and uplifting women you know, to, to higher levels. So I was so glad to be a part of that. And then to meet you in this book collaboration, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. We have had quite a journey, haven't we? <laughs> we have, we have, you know, it's always great to expand our network and to meet new people and make new friends. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your work uh, that you're currently doing. You're doing a lot, as we've heard from my introduction. First, I was going to add Libet, but I said, oh, no, she has too many great things going on and I don't want to mess it up. So uh, tell us a little bit about it. I'm so glad you you were gracious enough to read that because I do have a lot of different projects going on. The bigger thing for me is the overarching umbrella of of personal foundations and growth mindset coaching that I um, I enjoy doing. I started coaching probably back in the late 90s when I learned about the skill while working in corporate America. So I had learned about coaching at the global bank that I was working in. And then when I worked in at a automotive company, one of the big three, I also gained some skills around coaching. And I it just really jumped off the page for me. I, I, it really resonated with me around a, just because it was a certain skill that I felt connected to. I felt like I had already been doing a lot of, of those things that related to coaching mm-hmm. just in my regular everyday life. And I was real curious about that role as a profession, um, not only as a skill to, to um, exercise. So just started continuing on that path and learning more about coaching. I had trained through the Christian Coaches Network initially. I remember going to the very first conference they had in Virginia Beach, and it was fantastic. I had a chance to meet Dr. Gary Collins, who wrote Christian Coaching. He also wrote Christian Counseling. It was really a great way to to kind of affirm a field to start. So what I did was I started coaching people just in my in my circle, coworkers, certain family members, not all, <laughs> you know, different people that I would come in contact with and, and they would be willing to, to be coached. And I shored up my skill of coaching and it just became something that really stuck with me. So I do some coaching and I also do training as well around cultural humility. And I had a chance to actually since last February now, I've been able to, to do training around cultural humility for New York State 
And that's been an amazing opportunity to just share those precepts with people that work in the field of serving and supporting others. So whether they're working with people with intellectual or developmental disabilities, or if they're working with people with um, serious emotional challenges or mental health concerns, or if they're medically fragile or aging, that particular way that I get to work with folks in New York, uh, it covers a multitude of all of the Department of Health's people that come through it. So it's been really fascinating to work with with them and and to train on that topic, because I feel like cultural humility, I know we have a little bit of that in common with your Mm -hmm. work around DEI, and I really wanted to definitely learn more about all that you do. Because cultural humility is is a it's kind of a newer phrase. Uh, most people are familiar with cultural competence or cultural proficiency, but with cultural humility, it really takes a step back on onto yourself and helps you reflect on okay, how am I responding to this person or this uh, group of people or this situation? Um, it helps you to critique even yourself. Be be brave enough to to step into that space of self critique. Mm-hmm. And the other piece that I really enjoy about cultural humility is that it looks at um, what are the power dynamics within this connection, this leader member exchange? Because mm-hmm. usually if you're in a provider role, whether you're a consultant, counselor, person providing supports, you inherently have the, the quote unquote power. And so it's important to understand that going in um, and to kind of level it to where you are broaching your, your questions and the, the way you interact from a fresh and new approach, getting to know the person and asking questions versus um, maybe some People may tend to make assumptions, uh, stereotypes, scapegoat, blame. That's a whole different space, right? Versus cultural humility. So that's been a, that's been real exciting to have these kind of conversations and to have um, dialogue with people that may not have heard the term before and just kind of get their handle, uh, get their hands around it, mm-hmm. and then. So tell me, how did you, I I know that you um, developed 10 commitments of person-centered cultural humility. How did you come up with those commitments? Is it through your work? It is. It, it, It was through my work of training for many years. When I started working in the field or the community of um, supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities back in 2000, I had a, a, a track of working, not only supporting people, but also training the staff, training everyone from all levels of the organization that would need to have certain training um, that's required for the field. And one thing that stood out to me was uh, being able to develop training around cultural competence or diversity training. And then I realized that this was back into, I guess it was back in 2000. Yes. When I first started doing this training in Tennessee. So it's expanded on to my, as my learning developed, you know, I wanted to apply that to the learning uh, that I'm providing and the training that I'm facilitating. So we had done a diversity training in the past where we had like commitments on diversity. And then I wanted to expand that out to reflect cultural humility. Um, So we we just looked at that and said, okay, um, what are some of the commitments that we can make at the end of the day as people interacting? Because organizations are comprised of people, teams are comprised of people, human beings. And so we can all adopt just a way forward, a commitment around how we're going to interact, especially if we're in a a position of leadership, a formal leadership position. These are the things we want to ascribe to. So it might be celebrating others. So one of the commitments might be, I will choose to celebrate different holidays that represent the people that I support and the people that that's on my team. You know, that's one example. Mm-hmm. Wow. It sounds amazing. 
Oh, yeah. I love the person-centered focus of the cultural aspect, because oftentimes with DEI work, you know, our goal is that we want it to be person-centered, but, you know, sometimes people are not as receptive, you know, it becomes more about convincing people that this is important. So that definitely sounds like valuable work. I wanted to, to dig a little deeper so that we learn a little bit more about you, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, and Tell us in terms of uh, your career, have there been any turning points that have inspired you on your journey? Sounds like you're still on your journey, just like, you know, I'm still on my journey, but you've, you've done, certainly done a lot and are doing a lot now, but has there been any, any, any tur- turning points? Yes, I would say so. I could point back to a few pivotal moments. I would, I, li- I like to refer to those as as such, because um, when I worked in the corporate world, I worked there for probably about seven years. So in my world, I look at numbers and I think, okay, that's the year, that's the year of completion. I was done <laughs> after seven years. I realized that I did not want to continue in that space because of how I was wired. And I knew that what it, I felt that what it would require at that time, I had worked, as I mentioned, in an automotive organization as a buyer. Um, so working at the global bank as a um, officer of the of the bank, it, it made me realize that okay, this is this is good work, but sometimes your good can beat out your best work. And that was what I was realizing for me that although I'm really gifted and skillful in administration in business, <clears throat> I went to Fisk University studied business administration. And I felt like going into that particular role was kind of doing my degree a service. I said, okay, well, this is how I'm going to use my degree. I'm going to find a job that, you know, suits that. But it just did not pull my heartstrings. It, It was very transactional for me. And even though I had at one point, I actually had three different bosses because (laughs) because I was able to, at the same time, three different bosses at the same time, because I was able to work with what they would consider sensitive clients. So one, one boss had a sensitive client that they needed someone that understood how to work on relationship management stuff. You know, another boss um, who was probably my main boss, you know, I had a sensitive client with them as well. And then another person I had a sensitive client with. So of course, imagine reporting to three different people on the same Mm -hmm. kind of work. Yes, but you're, it's still, you know, a lot to do. And what that, helped me to understand in my pivotal moment was that that was a strength of mine. So what I, what I tell people as I'm mentoring folks, you know, you find out what it is that you are unique, that uh, makes you unique, that is your superpower, that is your strength. And, and you can see how that kind of strings along in your life, you know, that, that still pops up, whether, whether you're in this role or five years down the road in another role, you still see those same attributes popping up. So you, for me, I had to honor myself with um, saying no to something that wasn't feeding my soul and wasn't pulling my heartstrings. But the thing about it, Monique, is that I didn't know what I wanted. <laughs> so I knew what I didn't want right. unequivocally. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good space to be. But a very scary place is to not know what you want. And I had... I had done no, you know, real coaching of myself at that point. Yes, I had gone through those coaching trainings and I really was peaked with that, you know, with that skill in that area, but I still had no idea. So I actually exited the corporate world, not knowing what I wanted and believing that I would be, you know, kind of cushioned with something, you know, just because I, I was creating a space. So I had to release 
what, what I knew mm-hmm. in order to allow for something new to come in, to even be brought in that, that I might not even know what it was. Right. And, and so that was an exciting and very scary time. I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah, and that's when I found out about, uh, I had seen a small ad in the paper of supporting people with disabilities. Now, here's what I'll say, because, you know, I'm coming from a professional, quote unquote, professional uh, background, you know, educated background. And I see this ad, but some, for some reason, it was really attractive to me. And it may have been because of what was going on in my life at the time. You know, I had, like I said, I walked out of my life. Not only did I walk out of that role in corporate, but I also cut a lot of the toxic connections that I had in my personal life at the time too. So that meant relationships, that meant people, groups of people that weren't really feeding my soul as Mm -hmm. I had thought. And I was courageous enough to do that. I don't know if it's because of my Harlem roots (laughs) that I can (laughs) jump off the, you know, out the plane with the parachute. I don't know, but I did it. And that created this huge vacuum, this huge clearing of space And when I saw that ad, I said, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to care for other people. And so I looked at this as an opportunity to, you know, show that side of myself, because I really enjoy uh, serving others anyway. That's just been another thread. So I did that. But three months maybe into it, I began training as well. So I started working in March of 2000. By August of 2000, I was certified with the state of Tennessee to provide positive behavior supports training. Because when I had gone through that training, I thought to myself, they're really training people to, to care for other people, to, to put the person first or to, you know, get to know a person. Like the things that they were saying in the training, it felt very intuitive to me, very logical to me, very much like common sense. And I had done training in the corporate world as well when I worked in my department at the bank. And I really loved training. I really loved being able to train the new clients about our process. And so that was another string that came up for me that I wanted to keep, you know, nourishing and growing and tending. So that's what I did. I worked in the field and I also trained consistently since 2000. And I've been doing that wherever possible. When my kids were littler, I could travel about a two hour radius to do trainings for, for another consultant that needed you know, some support while still maintaining a full-time job. And it just kept going. So that was a pivotal moment to exit the corporate world and to allow for something new to come in that I didn't necessarily know what it would be, but I was willing to, to take that chance. Wow. Well, I love the way that you honored yourself, even though you weren't 100% sure of what direction you were going in, but you knew that what you were doing wasn't it. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up. They're too afraid to sort of take that leap that you talked about. So yeah, I definitely commend you for that. And you know, look where it's led you to the work that you're doing now as a writer, community builder, coach, personal foundations coach. So tell us a little bit about the important lessons that you've learned. I know we only have a few more minutes left, maybe about 10, 15, but tell us about some lessons that you've taken away from your career journey thus far. Yes. You know, one of the main lessons, and I really attribute this to the work I'm currently doing as a community builder, um, having worked uh, supporting other people to help them find their tribe, find their people without a label of disability, but simply based on their shared interests, maybe based on similar passions, similar um, talents, similar skills, and certainly neighborhoods, similar neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. What I've learned is that the more we otherize people and create an us-them 
type of category, the less likely we are to have a vibrant community where people can can truly thrive and be be celebrated for the gifts that they naturally bring versus being being considered someone that has a deficit or some, you know, who would want to be labeled, who would want to be known by their worst attribute, right? I don't know very many people that would want to sign up for that. So that's been a really big lesson for me to be able to help, just to learn that that is so important and to help help others in learning that in a way that works for them, because not everyone is going to get that lesson of, you know, not otherizing and and to create a sense of belongingness and community. Not everyone's going to get that lesson through a conversation. Maybe not everyone's going to get that lesson through listening to a podcast or even reading a book or going through a training. It's so dynamic. It's based on each person, right? So that's the kind of work that I get to do. I get to figure out like how to convey this message, whether I'm modeling the way so that a person that I'm I'm working with is able to um, be in a valued role that maybe no one thought of before. Mm-hmm. They thought, oh, I thought you know you I in my in the back of my mind my stereotype was that you could never do this. But wow, look at you! You're getting a visionary award. You are you know opening up an art group you know in your neighborhood by your you know not with other people that are like you individually having people find their own tribe. So that's been a big lesson, like to understand that when you otherize, that could be very dangerous. And we see this a lot in the in the news, even. If I can make someone an other, then I can dehumanize them. And then mm-hmm. I can, therefore, I can do all kinds of things at that point, because now I've totally taken your, your humanity away. And we see that in the news. We see that in our country and, and externally, too. So that's a big lesson. Another big lesson is just simply um, do what you love and the money will follow. I've heard that as a, as yes. a cliche initially. And, I, and at first, I, I tried to make that happen. I tried to be very type A about it, because I am a recovering type A. I'll admit it. (laughs) I've learned to release that slowly, slowly loosen my tentacles. But yeah, when you do what you love, the money will follow and it will, it will follow in surprising ways in ways that you may not have thought it would follow. And that's the key to be open to how it might look. And the final lesson that I've learned is you had mentioned something about allyship. And I agree. I, I think that it's so good to be able to let people in to be an ally who get maybe the struggle or the reality of the uh, maybe disparities that exist, who truly get it for whatever reasons that they get it. But to, to allow those people in, whether it's one by one as you're meeting people, obviously, and building those relationships and they're genuine and authentic and sincere. But it's also important to collectively band with those who are going in the same direction that you're going in. Like for instance, with this book, the Microshift mm-hmm. book, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was just talking about this yesterday um, at an event and um, yeah, it's just so fascinating to be able to band forces with other like-minded people to write a book together, other coaches, other, you know, some people were our lawyers on this, in this book, you know, marketing gurus. Um, so it's just a, an important thing to say that you don't have to go alone, even if you are in a consultant business or coaching business, which I, I do operate and I have a lot of freedom in that. And I appreciate that, but I also love being able to connect and align myself with others because as the African proverb says, if you want to go fast, you go, go alone. alone, right? If you want to go far, you go with 
others. You go together. And that stuck with me ever since I've seen that. I, I saw that ad. Um, I saw that quote in an ad on a like a huge New York insurance company ad. I was really surprised when I saw it too. I was like, oh, that's really great that they are using that quote. Right. Uh, but it's right. So, so true. It's and I've it seen really it really is. Out. That's been my it really is. Those are some valuable lessons for sure. Learning or at least helping other people to embrace their uniqueness, not otherizing other people. Just being able to go together. and, and Yes, you being know, able to go together. Allies. Yes, yes. Oh, allyship. Probably. Yes, yes. And you're very engaging. Thank you for sharing that. So much of what you said resonated with me in terms of, you know, not otherizing people as well, just in the DEI work that I do. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's what we want, the message that we want to convey to other people, that they too are unique, regardless of their ability or race or what have you. So thank you for sharing that. I also want to ask you this question. I know we're coming up on time, but I want to ask you, and I ask all of my guests this question because it's part of my tagline for the podcast. How are you opening doors and breaking barriers? And what does that mean to you? Okay, that's a great question. No, I appreciate that question. Um, How am I opening doors and breaking barriers? I would say the one area that's coming to mind at this time is when I host the Black American Tree Project. This is a project that I co-wrote back in 2019 with a colleague named Frida Apum. She uh, works at uh, Public Ally Cincinnati. They do a lot of social justice work. And I was introduced to her by another colleague at my work. And we both started writing together. She is a writer. I write, I do, you know, I have a writing discipline and I have written several books and I'm grateful for that. So we were able to sit down and ask if we could ask each other, like, how can we create this uh, project that would illuminate and bring light to the shadow side, quite frankly, of what happened to the Black American from pre-colonial Africa to present day America. And of course, that's an ambitious goal because that's quite a long breadth of time, 403 years maybe now. So what we did was we we did 10 vignettes we wrote and then we had narration and we took people through the whole period of time through these specific vignettes that encompassed, you know, maybe being in, in the slave trade or in slavery, or it might be in the medical industrial system or the prison industrial system or education or nonprofit, because that's our background. And then we looked at, we finalized it with a 10th vignette that looked at society as a whole. And within the vignettes, we had three roles. One is the Black American focus person that was uh, being subjugated and what they had to say. The other one was the Black American focus person's family member and how they were impacted when they were, you know, as the family was severed. Uh, and then the, the third person is the subjugated force the institutional force that justified the subjugation. So each of these people in the vignette had a script. They have a script to read. And by the time we go through the whole project, those 10 vignettes, it's pretty powerful and pretty profound. And when we do this in a group of people that know each other, that's that has an impact as well because they can go on and continue to learn together. Um, we also do, you know, we host groups where people can opt in. We found that it's been more successful when we can have it at a, a place where we can host in-house at an organization or a nonprofit. Okay. Okay. That's been helpful. And now we're working with the university locally 
University of Cincinnati for one of their classes. We've been doing it and expanding it out to have a cohort model. So we meet more than the one time to do the project. And we also do the courageous community conversations, like you mentioned earlier in my bio. That That's the sweet sauce right there, because that allows people to talk amongst themselves. Ideally, we, we like it to be diverse. And we also have added on a, a conversation to have before the project happens, which deals with an overview of the project. Plus we talk about the racial group dynamics that often occur, as we know, and I'm sure you know this very well, when you get groups in discussion about race, either you have one extreme where, some, where there's silence and, no, and they, people don't wanna speak, saying that they may wanna give other people a voice, but this is not the time for that. This is the time for everyone to speak. Or you may have a, a, another end of the spectrum where you have people that feel like they have to speak for their, maybe their race or, you know, kind of, kind of feel like they have to take on that burden. Mm-hmm. And what we try to do at the beginning is have that conversation with people that that's going to involve themselves in the project. We tell them early, Hey, we want you all to engage in conversation. We know this is what tends to happen. We have done this project for over, for about 20 times, 20 iterations, over 515 people internationally as well, because when we did it virtually, we've had people from Canada, indigenous lands, um, also in Scotland, all kinds of places, London, um, people have come to be a part of this. So we're excited and we feel like we're, we're breaking uh, barriers that way because we want people to, to feel like they have a voice and that they can take the information in and apply it in a very person-centered way based on how it impacted them. Because it's not a book that they're reading. It's not a movie that they're watching. It actually is an embodied experience. And you are changed typically Mm -hmm. um, to move in a direction. And we don't want to tell people what to do. Right. (laughs) That's amazing. I would definitely say you're breaking barriers with the Black American Tree Project. That's, That's phenomenal. So, and you said you've been doing that since 2019, we 2019. started developing, we developed it in 2019. We, we actually prototyped it here and there for a lot of organizations like Design Impact and my organization, Starfire, Public Allies, a few other organizations to prototype it. Then when we actually, we still consider all of these iterations prototypes because mm-hmm. we want to go in knowing that we, we, we can make it better every time, but people have had a lot of great things to say about it. And we'll give you that website too, because it's gotten Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that is, that's so impactful. So, so, so very impactful. And it's well received, you know, it sounds like it's well received. And, you know, you're adjusting and changing and making things better as you go along. So yeah, that's pretty phenomenal. Thank you. We had to, we had to adjust it a lot of times. And when we did it, in real time, the very first time, it was February of 2020. And we had the pleasure and privilege of doing, of hosting this project at the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center. Oh, wonderful. Um, It was an international student summit that the University of Cincinnati was hosting. And they didn't want to host it at the university. They wanted to have it in spaces that were relevant to what they were doing. And um, I remember Chuck D was one of the keynote speakers um, as well. Um, And it was just great. So we did that project there. And then we had it slated to do it in March of 2020 for audience, uh, for a participatory group of 50 at uh, the neighborhood summit. And then that's when, that was the same weekend that everything shut down. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> COVID. But well, we've been be- doing it virtually. virtually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if anybody out there is interested in the Black American Tree Project, definitely connect with Danietta. It sounds life-changing for many people, you know. 
in terms of just being able to express the, uh, the feelings and the emotions, especially for Black people and then for other people to experience it as well, who were, you know, of different racial and ethnic backgrounds. So I'm reading the 1619 Project right now. So um, I'm telling you, that's that's great to read that because that was one of our inspirations, actually, for this project. It was mm-hmm. that it was the 1619 Project. It was the project called the String Exercise, which looked at what happened to people with disabilities. And that was something that was created in-house at my nonprofit. And then the 1619 Project, as well as uh, Undivided as well around the racial reconciliation. Yes, project. yes, yes. And like, I'm actually a um, trained facilitator for Undivided. Living oh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. am I. I'm, yeah. I've been doing that too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, that's so great. we have that in common. That so great. Well, I would, I do want to ask you just a couple more questions and then we'll close out. You've shared so much information, so, so much insight and perspective and just been very open. So I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, wow. My younger self. You know, the advice I would give to my younger self is continue to be fearless, have a voice, know that your voice matters. Don't be afraid to to take up space wherever you go to to make your presence known, you know, don't shrink back, but to be, to to show up in spaces. And in order to do that, you have to know who you are and whose you are, because I'm a person of faith. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think those are very important cornerstones for even being able to speak up because what are you going to say, right? If you, if you don't know who you are, you don't know, you know, what you're made of and what your values are. So that's why I I would tell my younger self, you know, to to get clear on that and, and, you know, make your mistakes, fail forward. In fact, you know, you should celebrate your failures because that means you're learning, you're you're making new mistakes. That would be the other advice, make new mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes. Just fail forward and because, you know, success is not a straight line and success is defined very differently and intimately based on each person. Society has their definition of success. And sometimes we can get pulled into that, but have your own definition of success. Right. Absolutely. That's great. Great advice. Even for us women, us uh, seasoned (laughs) women, right? Exactly. Not just the younger self. I saw a quote somewhere recently that said, I don't know if it was Thomas Edison or someone like that, but it really resonated with me because it said something like, I haven't failed. I've tried a thousand different times, a thousand different ways or something like that, you know, where um, Thomas Edison. I think it was Thomas Edison, but yeah, that, that really resonated with me um, <laughs> that, you know, a fail forward, just, you know, keep trying and readjust and just keep going. And, and before we close out, I wanted to also get some insight from you. Maybe you can offer some perspective or support for other women. Tell us how you practice self-care and rest. Well, it is a practice. And as with all practices, you, you have to actually do it, right? So what I try to do is it's not so much always the spa days and getting my hair done and nails done, although those are great. (laughs) And I I totally welcome those. But what I try to do is take quiet time for myself. Uh, I try to practice mindfulness. That's been something I've practiced for now 22 years. I began that practice when I was embarking on a surgery that I never had experienced before. And I said, I need to 
do something different. And so it's been a great practice to continue. In fact, I just completed my mindful-based stress reduction course recently, and it's been wonderful. So that's that's a big one. You know, within mindfulness, you, you are doing a lot of things. You're just being present in the moment. You are, you know, really just accepting what is with a certain level of equanimity. <laughs> you know, you're, you know, you're saying this too belongs. Not, not only this too will pass, but this too actually belongs because life is on the same coin. You're going to have joy and sorrow, even, you know, two sides of the same coin. So, and, and part of that has to do with, obviously, like with me, with my, my uh, childhood experiences too. I, I know for a fact that that's what has shaped me as a person, gives me the notion, the notion of, of having self-care and looking at self-care in this way. So, yeah, I think, you know, just being with people who give you joy, you know, who bring joy to your life, not being around toxic uh, elements or people or situations. It's just a lot about making sure you do that too. So that's what I also do. I just surround myself with positive people. I including myself and I, I become the person I want to see or be around, <laughs> which guarantees, you know, that I'll always be around that person. And so things like that. Um, yeah. Reading, writing. I, I like to journal a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And I can attest to the fact that she is a very positive person and a very inviting person. She's reached out to me and invited me to events. And that's how we have become friends. And I look forward to connecting again very soon with you. So I thank you for sharing that as well as your thoughts about mindfulness. And I want to encourage you all to check out our book. We both wrote chapters and the book is focused on mindset. Micro, yes. micro shift is what it's called. Small changes for big results. And Danietta yes. shares a little bit more about her, her background and her experiences from when she was young, as well as I share about my career transition experiences. So check it out if you're looking for a little deeper dive. I'm pretty vulnerable in my chapter and I think you are as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Those small mindset shifts are really life changing. Sometimes people think it takes a big, big 180 degree shift, but sometimes it's just something as small as turning a dial versus flipping a switch. You know, I like to look at it as, you know, you're just kind of modulating the dial a little bit. And that's what the book is all about. And and it gives you worksheets to kind of go through some of the lessons that Monique uh, shares as well as myself. So I think you'll really like the book. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think so. Most definitely. Well, in closing, uh, are there any thoughts that you want to share or words of encouragement you want to leave with women? Well, I guess men too, but I'm assuming mostly women listen to this podcast, but I don't know. (laughs) So uh, yeah, is there anything you would like to offer? I would love to offer people an opportunity to go to my website and download a couple of free assessments that I have available to people. One is the uh, annual life planner. That's something that I use for myself around the third quarter of the year. I'm starting to think about like, what am I going to be doing the following year? Who, who are the people I want to be meeting? You know, or maybe if I don't have specific who are the kinds of people I want to be meeting? What are some of the experiences I want to have? Where do I want to be traveling? Where do I want to spend some of my time through the whole year? And so I think having that kind of assessment at your fingertips will give you a chance to kind of focus your attention on thinking about the following year. Um, Not so much that you have to get hammered down in planning, but just gives you a, a way to think about it so that 
uh, it doesn't kind of take us by surprise, like, oh, we're at January already, you know? (laughs) So that's one tool. And then I also have another assessment called the Life Evaluator. And it's just an assessment um, that gives you an opportunity to look at various areas of your life and kind of check in with yourself. I'm a big fan of checking in at any point because I practice mindfulness. So I check in a lot, but this gives you a chance to sit down and see from different areas, whether it's financial, relational, career-wise, or just different areas that will help you check in and and give you some personal feedback for yourself. Fantastic. And I will leave links to all of those things in the show notes, but I believe your website is www.danietta.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, it is. Yes. And the, the Black American Tree Project has its own website because it is a nonprofit uh, connected with uh, another organization uh, that we've connected with. And it's called um, www.theblackamericantreeproject.org. So. Okay. Awesome. And if you're interested in coaching with Danietta as well, you can, I'm sure, access her through her website. So reach out to her. And uh, I just want to take a moment to thank you so much for your time. Uh, You shared a lot of great information. You're doing so much, so many wonderful things to impact the community at large. And I just love your spirit. And I look forward to, again, connecting again real soon. Thank you so much, Monique, for having me on this wonderful podcast. (laughs) Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. All right. All right. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate the support. If you haven't already, please subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about me, please visit my website at drmoniquecjohnson.com. And that's DR for doctor. Until next time, let's open doors and break barriers.